This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Commercial with a state podcast. And welcome back to the Vancouver Commercial Real Estate Podcast. I'm Corey Wright. And I'm Melissa Moretti. And Melissa, on the program today, we have Rick Hayward from Lower Mainland Bailiffs. I know what you're thinking. Why do we have a bailiff on the show? Bailiffs are bad. Bailiffs are not bad. As a landlord, unfortunately, not all your tenants pay rent on time. And from a landlord perspective, there's a lot of risk being a landlord. The tenant goes in, they build out. Maybe give them some TAI money, free rent, fixturing. Tenant doesn't pay their rent or they string you along. Rick's job, unfortunately, becomes part of the landlord cycle from time to time. So we have Rick on today to talk all about the role of a bailiff and what that looks like if you're a landlord and you are in trouble. He also shares some, some funny stories with us about uh, well some of the situations he might have found himself in or other bailiffs might have found themselves in. So always great to have Rick on the program to talk about the role of a bailiff. But Melissa, how are things in your world? I caught the uh, Adam and Matt's last podcast where they're talking all about the BCREA and the predictions for the year, the economists, everything like that. I was really pleasantly surprised about how they broke down demand and transactions and transaction volume. I'm thinking this is going to be a really busy year for you guys on the residential side. Yeah, we're feeling it already. We're feeling just, you know, a lot more of a buzz, a lot more action. I think the big thing right now is that people are getting prepared. So maybe transaction volume isn't, you know, skyrocketing, but yeah. you can feel the preparation for what's coming. One takeaway I had after listening to their podcast was, uh, and this was a point I never thought about before, is one reason why maybe the inventory levels were so low last year, obviously interest rates, but a lot of people had locked in probably in 2021 or maybe 2022, where they've got these like record low rates yeah. that if they wanted to sell, they'd be signing up for a much higher rate, which may have obviously deterred them from doing so. So it'll be really interesting to see how things play out. And they mentioned on the program too, about 2025, 2026 is kind of that big year where a lot of that stuff is coming up. I read an article before where I think someone said 2024, 2025, but nevertheless, 2024 to 2026, there's going to be mm-hmm. a lot of people that will be getting renewed in rates. And uh, obviously if you're on a variable right now, you're already feeling it. Yeah. But those people who are coming out of those record low fixed rates will probably be in for a little bit of a sticker shock on what those new ones will look like. So we'll be interested to see how that moves forward. And without further ado, let's get to our interview today with Rick Hayward of Lower Mainland Bailiffs Limited. All right, let's go. This podcast is presented by Impact Commercial. Impact Commercial, John, Allen, the team over there are fantastic. They've been, all been on the show. They have, yeah. Friends of the show. Great guys. Wealth of experience. They can help with all your commercial financing needs. Whether it's owner-occupiers, land development funds, commercial investments, or multifamily, these guys got you covered. And they recently obtained their CMHC correspondent lender status. So for all your commercial lending needs, visit them at impactcommercial.ca. That's Impact Commercial. 
We're here today with Rick Hayward, owner of Lower Mainland Bailiffs Limited. Rick, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. How are you? Good, thanks. Well, Rick, thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Obviously, we're going to dive into uh, but maybe an uncomfortable topic for some people, but I think it's really important that landlords understand how this process works. But before we get into that, Rick, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and, uh, and Lower Mainland Bailiffs? Sure. Originally from Nova Scotia. I used to work for a major bank. I got transferred out west. Didn't have any money. Wanted to buy a house. Bank said they would give me a mortgage. I removed my subjects. The bank said we changed our mind. And anyway, so I stopped working for the bank and had nothing to do. And a friend of mine had Lower Mainland Bailiff, LTD. Yep. And he moved back to Nova Scotia. So all of a sudden, I'm in the bailiff business. And <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. So, which wasn't too bad at the time because Vancouver was kind of boom bust. So I did the real estate on the, um, what was my passion. When things got a little slow, the uh, the receivership business kicked in. So I just continued to do that over the years. So I, I thought you were going to share a story that you worked for a bank and you kept hiring a bailiff company. You realized how much they were needed, so you transitioned. But you ended up working for the bank, leaving the bank, and then fast forward, you own a bailiff company. That's correct, yeah. Now, Rick, can you maybe start by telling us what is a bailiff and what is the role of a bailiff? I know when we when we talked before we had you here that a lot of landlords unfortunately get themselves where they have tenants that can't pay rent and they have to you know, remove the tenant in a very polite way to say it. A lot of people probably don't realize how important your role is in that, but can you start by telling us what is a bailiff and what's the role of a bailiff? Sure. Well, I'm just going to talk about what the, a bailiff is with regard to commercial leases. Sounds great. Because bailiffs do all kinds of other stuff, but I just kind of specialize in commercial leases. I didn't want to work nine to five in the morning. I went to work nine to five during the day. So that's kind of what, what I did. So what we do is under the laws of British Columbia, there's a act called the Rent Distress Act. Okay. And if there is rent owing, the landlord has a lien on the tenant's assets. And if the tenant doesn't pay, the landlord can sell those assets. And that's what they get a bailiff to do. Okay. But, you know, these days, you don't really want to sell the assets of the tenant. You just want them to pay or at least pay attention to you. So it's mainly a collection tool. I would say 90% of the time we make arrangements or the tenant pays and everything is, is fine. And 10% of the time, if the tenant leaves the country or goes someplace else, we have to sell the assets. But it's mainly a, a collection tool. And the other thing it is, it's if you're spending a lot of time chasing a tenant, you know, you spend probably 80% of the time chasing 20% of your tenants. So yeah, sounds about right. Good landlords or property management companies, they don't do that. They just call us and we get their attention. I call it educating your tenants. And then finally they they pay on first of the month. So I'm a landlord, let's say. I have a tenant here in my tenant's Melissa's coffee shop. Not that she doesn't make good coffee because if she did have a coffee shop, we'd all go there. That's but right. Melissa's got a coffee shop. Melissa, unfortunately, isn't paying her rent. Is there a time period in which I need to act as a landlord to get her to try to pay before I call you? Or how does that process work if I'm a mom and pop landlord and my tenant's not paying and I don't know what to do? Well, sometimes landlords will wait a year and sometimes landlords will wait days. So it's better not to wait too long because the longer you wait, it's going to be harder for them to catch up. 
Totally. So what I see in the business is the people that are doing the best are the people that are not paid on the first. You send your demand letter, whether whether you usually leases say you don't have to send a demand letter, but send the demand letter and then you act on the demand letter. If you just send the demand letter and don't act on it, they're just going to put it in the disposal. Yeah. And uh, they're not going to take it seriously. So you really have to jump on it. That's that's the best way of doing it. And then you say, well, you know, it's hard to get a tenant. Maybe I don't want to jump on it in the first month. Well, if you let it go, the tenant's not going to be able to catch up. Yeah. You want to keep that relationship. I understand. I'm a landlord myself. You want to keep that tenant relationship. That's very important. So it depends. You know, I go in or our company goes in and we do it professionally. I find when I when I go see them, it's, you know, you try them to cooperate as well. Because if you just go in with the big stick, they're not going to cooperate. But if they cooperate and you're 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 saying, look, you know, you're using the landlord like a bank. And the landlord isn't a bank. They have to act like a bank. And we have to take security on your goods. And usually, you know, they'll beg, borrow, and steal or, or something and and pay up or either work out, which is some kind of arrangement, which everybody's happy with. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's mainly what happens. So if I understand you correctly, so uh, Melissa's my tenant here. She's not paying her rent. I send her a demand letter saying, hey, pay up in five days. Or my good friend Rick showing up. She doesn't pay. Maybe she ignores my letter. Maybe she kind of just sloughs it off. I now contact you. You will then step in. You will deal directly with the tenant, make them aware of their shortfalls, and then try to, hopefully in a good case scenario, try to negotiate something with them to get them get caught back up. Yes. The only thing I do different, what you just said, is I wouldn't tell them you were sending a bailiff in because sometimes they do stupid things like move out or move something that's important off the premises. So you want to elements of surprise works very well because if we go in there and and they're surprised, we get their attention and usually we're able to work things out and that's what everybody wants. So now, now when you, when you're going in there and stuff like that, can you, obviously we'll get into this a little bit later with some really good stories, but is there a story off the top of your head you can think of that you could share with us, not using names of, Maybe a situation that you encountered. I, I could imagine the stories that you can probably share. Well, you know, it's funny the way I do things. You know, the only story I can I can tell you is, I, there was an older lady. She was eighty five years old, and we went to see her, and she's really sweet. And she signed the Bailey's agreement, which basically says she is, agrees to act as a Bailey to keep the goods in her possession and carry on business. That's called a soft seizure. So we're not really, you know, usually that's what we do. We give them a chance to pay, but at the same time, they're saying just because we are going to leave, it doesn't mean that they're going to do a midnight move. Okay. So they're kind of agreeing not to do that at this point. They're kind of saying like, okay, gotcha. I follow. And most people, well, I would say 99% of the people don't. And I didn't think this woman would, but (laughs) she did. So ever since then, I don't trust anybody. <laughs> so for our listeners' sake, when we talk about midnight moves, it's literally where one day they're there, next day they're gone. And throughout the night, usually, they're moving out the business or the business assets. And then the next day, the landlord's got a vacant space to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. You want a good story. I, I know of another company and uh, somehow Tenet was very upset. I'm not too sure how they handled it. It would never 
I never had that problem, knock on wood. But anyways, they had to lock themselves in the office, the bailiff. And the tenant was, you know, trying to get in there. And he took a chainsaw the, the wall. And the bailiff inside was, you know, phoning the police and everything else. And so uh, that was pretty crazy. So the tenant, so the bailiff gets into the premises of the tenant, locks themselves in to kind of secure the place, I'm guessing. And no, then, to, to yeah. keep himself safe. To keep him safe. Because the, the tenant was going after him. <laughs> and then the tenant ends up being the, the chainsaw massacre and is chasing the bailiff with a chainsaw. Yeah, and he locks himself <laughs> in the office and the, and the tenant starts to get the chainsaw come through the door. <laughs> <laughs> this is not Melissa's coffee shop, by this the way. This is not Melissa's coffee shop. No. She is definitely would not. She not is Not that kind of coffee shop. She's much shop. more of like a machete type of girl. I, don't, That's I couldn't right. see her as a chainsaw. Numchucks. <laughs> so, Rick, that leads me to my next question. So, you mean, so... You know, you go to the 85-year-old lady's, you know, place of work. She signs what you call a soft seizure. What is the landlord entitled to with regards to the tenant's assets? What happens if she has some stuff there that's personal versus some stuff's in the company name? What what can the landlord, what's the landlord actually entitled to? Well, under the Rent Distress Act, there's other people that may have liens on that equipment. Like, as I said before, very seldom we sell the assets. We basically yeah. just want to get the tenant's attention to pay. And we're like a collection tool. And most of the times we can do that. But let's just say, well, let's take the other scenario, which doesn't happen very often, but it does. The landlord has a lien on the assets. So the tenant isn't paying. And maybe it's a construction company or you know, there's assets there. So then that lien that the landlord has on the assets is subject to a lot of other creditors. And some of the examples would be, maybe this tenant wasn't paying the wages. Maybe they weren't submitting the employee deductions. You know, WorkSafe BC, all these government agencies come into play. Maybe some of the equipment is leased or rented. So you have to do a lien search and that determines who is out there before you even begin the process. Now, let's say, for example, I, I'm guessing Justin Trudeau and his crew, obviously, in the federal and the provincial levels, they're going to take first charge in the event. Let's say, for example, Melissa's Coffee Shop isn't paying. I go and I do my lien search and there's nothing there to worry about. I go in as the landlord or I engage you to go in on behalf of the landlord. And then all of a sudden, the next day, Revenue Canada hits it. WCB hits it, something to that effect. Do I automatically just fall behind them? Yes, because the government writes the laws. They have a, a lien, whether they've registered or not. So you should be checking with the government just to see if those liens are in place or not, or if they, if they owe the money. Gotcha. Okay. So then now, let's say, for example, uh, Melissa doesn't have any liens on it. As a landlord, I've engaged you to go in. Melissa all of a sudden freaks out, leaves the country, whatever it is. Off to Costa Rica. Off to Costa Rica. That's the big topic we're talking about here. Off to Costa Rica. And now I'm a landlord. I have no tenant. I'm collecting no rent. And I've got a vacant coffee shop. How do I deal with that with regards to these assets? Is there a process I go through that you lead me on? Or how does that whole process work in the event that uh, Melissa's in Costa Rica? Well, I talked to the landlord and I said, I can go down to Costa Rica if you want, because I'd really like to go. <laughs> but, Come on down, uh, Rick. 
<laughs> but what would happen in that case, we have to do two appraisals of the goods, okay. uh, notarized appraisals. After that, we can sell those assets and the assets will go to the landlord subject to the other liens. Now, what happens if there's no liens and Melissa owes me $10,000, but the equipment's worth fifty? And I get fifty thousand. Am I do? I, am I obligated to give her anything over and above the debts, or is that fifty thousand? That's correct. No, anything over what's owed has to has to go to the the tenant. So Melissa's going to get a check for in that scenario forty thousand dollars in Co- yeah. while she's in Costa Rica, and I'm dealing with her mess here. That's right. Kind of awesome. Yeah. And I would personally go down and deliver to her. <laughs> so let's say, for example, before we go down that road, I'm steaming mad. Melissa's completely done, left me in the lurch. What? ability do you have to go get her? Is there anything there that a bailiff can do? You mentioned you can go to Costa Rica. If I'm really mad, I'm like, hey, this woman has financially crippled me with what she's done. We need to find her, Rick. What role does a bailiff play in that role? First of all, you see what the lease says. Hopefully, you would have a personal guarantee on the lease. And hopefully, she would have some assets. Because if she doesn't, What's the point? Yeah. You can you can get a, a lawyer and spend twenty thousand dollars or more for nothing. So you have to do a little bit of research beforehand. Okay. So, and if she's in Costa Rica, I mean, if she has assets here, turn it over to a lawyer, and you can get a claim on those assets eventually. And if she has no assets because I wasn't a very good landlord, I didn't check her her net worth statement, I didn't check her land her credit or anything like that during my due diligence period before I put her in there. If she's got yep. nothing to go after, all I do now is I have a, a bill from my bailiff, I have a vacant space, and hypothetically, maybe equipment that's not worth much. Is that kind of the situation at times? Usually, hopefully, you're selling something there, okay. and and there may be enough to pay your costs. Yeah. But yeah, if there's let's say if there's nothing there and she leaves, it might be better just to go straight to a termination. Gotcha. Gotcha. You can terminate the tenancy, get your place back so you can lease it to somebody else. Now, we have a lot of investors listen to the podcast. And I'll, I'll classify them as mom and pop. Not that they're not from a knowledge standpoint, just maybe they have one or two. They, they don't have institutional type assets that sure. we see in commercial real estate. What type of costs would someone have to look at to engage a bailiff? Because I know a lot, of, a lot of landlords, they want to do things their own way, they don't want to pay all these costs. I mean, yep. We see landlords that make the mistake of just running and changing tenants' locks and then saying, hey, can you release this? And we're like, uh, you got to talk to your lawyer. Yeah. What type of cost would I incur as a landlord to get Melissa's coffee shop uh, back? Well, usually we're no cost okay. because under the Rent Distress Act, you can claim those costs against the tenant. They're responsible for it. And usually we can sell something to recover our costs. Okay. But let's just say your coffee shop should be abandoned. There's no equipment in there. I always suggest to talk to your lawyer okay. to get lease uh, termination drawn up. Just because if you're going to go after her personally, you want to make sure you cross your T's and dot your I's. Yeah, definitely. Bring a lawyer into that at that point in time. But as far as a bailiff cost, I guess it depends. I mean, most of the times when we're dealing with the tenant, we're collecting the money. And they're paying our costs. So usually our, we're, a no, we're a no charge service. 
So now with respect to that too, so let's say, for example, I engage you, you go talk to Melissa's coffee shop and Melissa owes me $5,000 in back rent and you're successful in getting something sorted out with her. She would also then pay the costs of the bailiff over on top of the cost that she owes. Exactly. Rent. Yeah, that's the law. Now, when you're, when you're looking at these things from a bailiff's perspective, is there a percentage of potentially the rent that you charge or what type of cost would Melissa in that circumstance have to type of, you know, potentially incur? It kind of depends how much time is involved. Okay. Like, you know, if we're working the files while we're working for six months, you know, you could charge an, an hourly rate or something like that. But gotcha. I get that question asked a lot and it's somewhere around 10%, like a, a general a general rule. 10% right, of, some of, those, of the rent that I'm, I should be collecting type of thing. Yeah, 10% of what we collect. Gotcha. Uh, but that depends on the time. It could be a lot less. Okay. And let's say if they owed $500,000, I'd like to charge $50,000, but I wouldn't charge that. Gotcha. So at any point, is is Melissa, or, or am I made aware that I'm going to owe that much? So is there, so, you know, that would give me an incentive to pay quicker, For sure. move forward. Okay. So you. Yeah. The paperwork we give her outlines all our costs and things right. like that. So, so in essence, pay your rent is what you're saying. Yeah. Just, you know, get back on track. The landlord's. They have to pay their bills too. You know, if somebody goes into your coffee place and leaves without paying, you're going to do something. Yeah, you're renting definitely. the space without paying. The landlord has to do something. If he doesn't, he's not he's not being a good landlord. And if you want to use the landlord like a bank, he's got to act like a bank. He's got to put security on your assets. And until the rent is paid, the lien is on there. And then... There's a penalty for for paying late as per your lease and as per the Rent Distress Act. So Rick, I know we touched base a little bit earlier and you shared a couple little stories there with us. I'd I'd love to hear more. Can you share us some more stories there potentially of some comical or horrifying situations you might have found yourself in? Well, as I said before, I haven't had any issues just by the way I do things. But there are other bailiff companies that I hear because they do things a little bit different than I do. Now, is there something that you do? You mentioned you do things a little bit different. How do you potentially avoid those situations where other bailiffs, unfortunately, find themselves in those situations? Well, let's say all right, let's- someone from our office shows up. First of all, they're going to say bailiff, and they're going to say, okay, they're going to get their back up against the wall. Why is the landlord doing this or the property management doing this and all that stuff? And you say, you know, I explained it in the situation and, and eventually you sit down with them and see who they owe, what position they're in. We're kind of like a, a mediator and, you know, do you owe wages? You know, I want to see what kind of, kind of position they're in. And if they owe, we did a restaurant not too long ago, he owed GST 180,000. They owed, you know, wages 40,000. You know, so they owed Revenue Canada like two hundred fifty thousand. So it was like probably half a million dollars, and the restaurant was might be worth I don't know what's a restaurant worth these days, their equipment. And so you go back to the landlord and say, you know, he's in a bad position. I'm not too sure if he can get out of this or not. And sometimes the money comes from someplace, some country or whatever, and they pay up. But in this case, the decision was made just to terminate the tenancy, abandon the distress, 
and go straight to a termination because the landlord wasn't going to get anything anyways. And it was better just to get the space back and lease it out to somebody else. I don't know if I've answered your question or not. No, no, that's great. No, because that's one thing too. I think a lot of landlords find themselves in that situation where sometimes I think there's something there that they can't get. And that seems like obviously you're doing things in a much better way potentially than some other bailiffs have. So I guess, Rick, one one sort of final question here before we kind of jump to our six-pack of lighthearted questions, hopefully you can join us for. Is there a particular industry, you mentioned restaurant there, that you see you get more calls about, whether it be hospitality or something like that? Is there an industry that you end up fortunately going into more often than not? I would say restaurants are most popular. Everyone that's a chef in the kitchen at home wants to open up a restaurant for some reason. And there, it's a, it's a difficult business. I used to operate a hotel and had restaurants, and there's just so many variables. Yeah, no, it's unfortunate. Uh, well, Rick, once again, we thank you so much for taking the time to kind of educate us a little bit more on a bailiff and obviously the role of the bailiff. We get a lot of landlords that listen, and unfortunately, that is a part of the landlord life, for lack of better words. Uh, Rick, we have a six-pack of lighthearted questions we ask all of our guests before we let them go. Do you have a few more minutes for us? Sure. The six-pack is powered by our good friends over at Red Point Law. Red Point Law, Corey, Tim, Falco, Scott, and the team, these are great people with a wealth of experience when it comes to commercial closings and private lending. And I just want to say, Corey, not to cut you off, they have a perfect five-star review on Google. So for all your commercial legal needs, visit them at redpointlaw.ca with offices in Vancouver and now open in downtown Kelowna. All right. What is your favorite vacation spot? Uh, I just got back from Tulum. Oh, oh Mexico. I love Tulum. There were a number of years ago, and the place is really resonating with me again. Uh, I like to do yoga. And, yes. And so there's lots of that going on down there. So, and I went to some places. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back there. We're going to have a great time in Costa more. Rica. Yeah. And I, I actually, I'm going to Costa Rica in March. So, Oh, fantastic. Maybe Melissa's going to Costa Rica in March now. (laughs) I'm going to a festival there. A festival in Costa Rica. What festival are you going to? It's called Envision. It's like a conscious community festival. Gotcha. Gotcha. Sounds interesting. We're going to have to talk after this. I like it. Uh, Next question up. Rick, unfortunately, you found yourself on death row. You've done something horrible. You're given one final meal before it's all said and done. What meal are you having? Um... I'm Lebanese, and my mom, God bless her, she's not with us anymore. She used to cook some beautiful Lebanese food. And so I would get a nice Lebanese meal. That would be my last meal. Okay. Sounds great. Next question. Your favorite band or musician? Uh, let's see. I like ABBA. I like their songs. We can't, we can't convert you to Nickelback? I've seen them. <laughs> most hey, most, is, a, most is a huge Nickelback fan. She's okay. a huge Nickelback fan. Okay. All right, Rick. Next question up. Do you have a book recommendation for our listeners for 2024? I uh, just looked. The latest one was uh, Limitless. Okay. By Jim Quick. I think I've heard of that one. I've heard of that a few times. It talks about how you can sort of hack your brain, right, to be more efficient. Amazing. And it was really good. I kind highly of a mindset, that. mindset type yeah. thing. Yeah, awesome. and you, and you do some tricks to your brain that'll help you remember and things like that, or you get more attentive, focus. 
foods to eat and things like that to your brain. And I thought it was great. I'd highly recommend that. Awesome. All right, Rick, next question up. You're sitting in Tulum. You've enjoyed a couple beverages. Someone throws a karaoke mic in front of you. What song are you singing? Dancing Queen by ABBA. <laughs> Dancing Queen by I had ABBA. A that, I, yeah, I was waiting for a good ABBA song that's so consistent. All right, Rick, last question up. A piece of advice you'd have for our listeners. Let's say they're in a landlord position and unfortunately they may need your services. What's a piece of advice for those listeners? Call us because uh, that's all we do. and. And we're good at it. Make sure they make sure they don't step in and take care of it themselves. Make sure they, they leave it to the professionals. Call yourself. Yeah, just like you said before, the last thing we want to do is change locks. And I'm happy to talk to anybody and it doesn't cost you anything. And we can go through different options and things like that. Amazing. And speaking of calling you, Rick, how can our listeners find out more about yourself and Lord Mainland Bailiffs? You can call us anytime. 681-6444 or my personal email is ric.hayward h-a-y-w-a-r-d at gmail.com Excellent. Well, thank you, Rick, so much for joining us. We really appreciate it and we appreciate taking the time to let our listeners know more, a little bit more about the bailiff process. Thanks, Rick. And we should do a seminar sometime. Yes, actually, yeah, we should talk about that there. So we have one coming up at William Wright Commercial. Uh, Rick, do you have the date by chance in my uh, top top there? Yeah, it's March 25th at 10 a.m. 10 a.m. So for all those listeners that want to learn, there'll be there'll be an email link. Maybe we'll put it into the uh, show description that you can click on to sign up for the video webinar. We're going to be hosting, explaining to landlords a little bit more about the role of a bailiff. And also what the landlord should be doing, like tricks of the trade. Sounds great, Rick. Well, thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Rick. Bye, Take care. Rick. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Bye. There you have it, folks. Our interview with Rick Hayward of Lower Mainland Bailiffs. I had a lot of good takeaways from that there. You know, as making assumptions of what you can and cannot do when your tenants don't pay rent, it's great to have Rick's insight of what to properly do. And I always assume that maybe if you sent the bailiff in, the tenant was gone. But he can actually go in, negotiate to keep them going, yeah. and hopefully help you out as a landlord. Good to know that you've got someone on your side, right? When you're in that position. <laughs> yeah. There's probably not a lot of people because I'm sure the tenants don't like you. That's right. Right? And as, and as a landlord, it's always your fault they're not paying. It's never their fault they're not paying you. It's your fault that they're not paying you. That's right. Right? So, Melissa, we also talked before we started here, you just got a brand new condo. I did. I just purchased a condo. Very, That's right. very exciting. So I'm, I'm going to guess as a non-residential realtor, okay. if a residential realtor just recently purchased, yeah. you got to feel that's the bottom of the market. You know what? I seriously think I timed it so well. It just, it just worked out that way. It's not like I was like, okay, like, you know, with my spreadsheet trying to calculate when the bottom of the market was, yeah. it just kind of worked out that way. But I just knew it was the time to, to just go in hard and well, I, I would like to ask, and I won't ask you while we're recording, I would love to know how much a 14,000 square foot condo costs in Vancouver because I can't, I couldn't imagine what you paid for it. <laughs> I would love to know too. That's not what I bought. So. Yeah, we'll just have to go down and talk to divide, Adam. Divide that by a few. We'll but. just go down and talk to Adam downstairs because I'm sure he's got a 14,000 square foot condo on top in of In Costa Rica, probably. In probably Costa Rica. Right. He's probably, probably got Vancouver. a couple. He's got property in Kelowna. It's probably worth a billion dollars. Like yeah. that, that guy never even shows up anymore. You know, he, sends, <laughs> he sends us in all the time. Uh, Melissa, for those people who want to buy, sell residential real estate, That's how right. would someone get a hold of you? 
yeah, you can call me 778-869-4477 or email me, Melissa at Vancouver Real Estate Podcast.com. And Corey, how can people get a hold of you? For all the commercial needs, they can reach out to our Vancouver office at 604-428-5255. You can drop me an email, Corey at WilliamWright.ca or visit our website, WilliamWright.ca. Sign up for the latest and greatest news. Awesome. And we'll be back next week with another great episode. We have Josh Gallardi of Orion Construction, who's got an amazing story there. I've been trying to get Josh on the program for a while. We're very fortunate to have him join us next week. So make sure you listen for that one. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Subscribe today. 